Adam. How you doing, Adam Goldberg? Man, this is this is phenomenal. This is awesome. I'm really excited about this. I'm I'm happy to be here. So, welcome to the Hell Fucking Yeah podcast. Um, Uh First things first, Adam. How are you? Uh, I well, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm all right. I'm all right. You know, it's been a hectic uh, time. We're about to go back to LA. We've been living in New York, but we're we were thinking we were going to maybe uh, go back the whole summer, but we only have time to go back for a month. So things are a little bit uh, a, a little bit crazy. But other than that, I would say I can't complain, except I, I'm constantly complaining. Yeah, <laughs> I totally hear that. And uh, yeah, I'm in New York now. I'm, I'm on Long Island. I don't know if that counts, yeah, yeah. but I'm, I'm, <laughs> well, I'm actually, yeah, I'm in. So I don't know if that counts either. OK, uh, nice, nice. Yeah. That's, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's nice up here. Um, New York City uh, is one of those places where um, I like to visit. You know, yeah, for a that's... short for a short period of time, yeah. and go home. I love it. I love the city, but it's it's overwhelming. It's yeah. it's a lot. No, I know. I don't. I I've been I've been fighting this battle like <laughs> since I was a kid. I mean, I I'm from LA, but I you know I used to love New York, and then I went to school. Very briefly, I went to Sarah Lawrence, which is actually just across the river here, you know, in Bronxville, and, um, you know, would go into the city, and then I dropped out of college, and then uh, went back home, and then came back out here, really to live when I was about 30, and uh, and then ever since then, it's all, it's always, almost always for work, but the, ever since then, uh, I just find myself just vacillating, going back and forth, back and forth. I've had like 100 apartments. Um, places in, in New York and and always end up sort of fleeing for one reason or another. Um, and yeah. then, um, yeah, but I, but all, all the work I do ends up being out here. So I end up invariably every two years having to find a place. And in this particular instance, it's now going on like the third season of the show. And, you know, my whole family's uprooted. And so we're, we're just, you know, we're trying to figure out exactly like whether we're officially bi-coastal or whether we live here or whether we live in LA, it's, it's unclear. Right, right. Now you're filming a show now. Can you talk about it at all? Uh, yeah, I've been doing this show called The Equalizer, which is The yeah. Equalizer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now that was the Denzel Washington movie, right? Right. Well, it was originally a TV show in the 80s. And then the oh. Denzel Washington show is, I mean, the Denzel Washington movie was based on that. And then this is based, you know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's, it's more based on the TV show because um, it's just a CBS, you know, sort of procedural TV show. But instead of, uh, uh you know denzel and i forget the name of the the guy who's um some equalizer tv heads are gonna of course lambaste me for not knowing that uh what the hell is his name anyway uh (laughs) it's queen latifah is playing the equalizers okay yes yes uh i haven't seen it but i need to uh i need to check that out nor have i nor have i you know (laughs) i haven't seen it uh but i do want to congratulate you on 10 seasons of the goldbergs Oh God! Terrible hey, joke. Terrible joke. Show, it's incredible. That show is like a is like a it's it's like a a zombie. I mean, it's incredible. Um, it won't stop. That's right. No, it's an, it's <laughs> unbelievable. The guy hasn't even been on the show for like like the last two seasons or something like that. Yeah, he got kicked off. Right, the main uh, the father, right? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, the uh, creator of the show. Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. He's not even running the show. So uh, yeah, it's 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 uh, yeah. I think it just picked for like eleven season or something like that. Right. Uh, the reason I even brought that up is because, you know, I told my dad the other day, I'm like, oh, I have Adam Goldberg coming on the yeah. show. I'm like, he's, you know, like a huge guest. And he's like, oh, yeah, I know him from the Goldbergs. I'm like, no. Yeah. 
Yeah. No, no. And then I, well, then I showed him a picture and like, oh yeah, yeah. And now if my dad knows who you are, you've made it, you know, because he knows like 10 people. (laughs) Yeah, no, it, uh, you know, so when that, when that, um, when that show was first uh, picked up, uh, I, you know, had said to some people in my world, my representatives and that sort of thing, I was like, I think this is going to pose like a problem not because Adam, see, eh, it's a it's a very long story. And then we had this, I guess, what's known as a Twitter feud. And then uh, and then I got some sort of bad press for uh, because some sort of fangirl who was writing for The Hollywood Reporter wrote an article about it. But uh, yeah, it's all it's all a bit ugly. But um, but yeah, essentially, my contention was that, you know, so his name is Adam F. Goldberg. Right. And he had to put the F in his in his name because because uh, I was in the Writers Guild longer than he had been in the Writers Guild. And so, you know, he had added that name, but each time he would do a pilot every year um, before his before he got some success, he would it would be called the Untitled Adam Goldberg Project. And this went on for years. And so I would get, um, you know, calls from people saying like, oh, you're doing a show. And I was like, no, not me, because he would never put the initial or whatever in the name um, until he legally had to. And anyway, and so this, yeah. this, this would go on and on. And, um, and I was like, well, that seems to me like marketplace confusion, but whatever, you know, it's not really affecting my career in any way, as far as I know, although, I mean, even Jim Gaffigan, for whom I did a TV show for two seasons, said he almost didn't hire me because um, he thought the Goldbergs was my show, because that was a, the same year, and um, and so... My contention was, of course, not that Adam F. Goldberg changed his name, but that he changed the name of the character uh, in the TV show, um, because while it was based on his childhood, it seemed to me that for a long while, um, not that everybody knows who I am, but those who do are going to think that that show was based on my childhood, right. which um, I can't even count how, how often that's happened. In fact, I went to, I was doing Fargo at the time, and I went to go see a, I was having a meeting with a publicist at Fargo, and one of the things that, I mean, not at Fargo, for 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 Fargo mm. and at this at this very big like PR firm in in in, in LA and um you know we we're just trying to see if we could you know uh drudge up something for the season I was on and um and I was like you know and one of the issues has been this kind of confusion about the, this TV show and blah 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 and it's like I just you know really would love there to be some clarity about it and blah 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 and as I'm walking towards the elevator, another publicist from the same firm goes, I love your show. And I was like, Fargo? Um, she was like, no, the Goldbergs. Anyway, um, that was a PR <laughs> firm. So, I mean, yeah, I, I, I yeah, it's a, it's a source of, of, of some contention. But w- what had happened was, is that while I was promoting the Jim Gaffigan show, they were on hiatus after their first year. And so because I had spent um, an entire season of their show fielding all these Twitter comments <clears throat> from people who assumed it was based on my childhood, I finally, um, you know, I would start, I would tweet things like, you know, you know, definitely like uh, probably didn't paint me in the best light, but I just figured what the hell it's Twitter, who cares? So I would say like reason number 347, why the Goldbergs isn't my show, you know, instead of, and I don't know because I didn't see the show, but instead of, you know, little Adam Goldberg, da, 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 uh, my Adam Goldberg would be sitting, you know, would be sitting stone-faced in front of the, uh, the day after the day, uh, you know, or, or it would be sitting stone-faced, you know, watching, uh, um, you know, the 
the day after, after his parents told him not to, you know, the nuclear Holocaust movie or whatever, or like watching the results from the Reagan Mondale uh, come in, you know, results come in while uh, his uh, mother was out on a date, you know, whatever. So I, I would just start like um, itemizing various um, um, bleak aspects of my childhood. And um, <clears throat> eventually I said, for all you Goldbergs fans, uh, so on the, the day that before the Jim Gaffigan show was premiering, I was like, um, for all you Goldbergs fans, um, I, you'll be happy to know that we've changed the time. Uh, you know, we're leaving ABC and we're moving over to TV land, which is where um, the, the, the Gaffigan show was 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 airing um, at uh, and whatever. I named the, 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 the date and time of the premiere right. and um, and he just fucking lost it like Adam F. Goldberg. I mean, just fucking lost it. Started tweeting all this shit, railing about like my failed career, all this stuff. Um, wow. And yeah, and so it was it happened to coincide with the day I was doing a press junket. So I lost it. And I, I said something on, um, you know, some dumb thing, you know, like HuffPost Live or whatever like that. I had read these tweets of his. And so I went right on there and I said something like, and then he brought it up. He's like, apparently you're in the throes of a Twitter war with Adam F. Goldberg. And, you know, I said something like, look, everybody expects me to be uh, a son of a bitch, you know, but like this guy's supposed to be like, you know, Mr. Family Friendly guy. And he's, I, you know, I was like, what a fucking baby or something like that, you know, whatever. Right. By the end of the day, my publicist at the time is telling me, she's like, well, you got to do this interview now at the Hollywood Reporter. She's a big fan of the Goldbergs and she's going to write this, sh you know, ep you know, this, 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 uh, you know, this article about how petulant you're being. So you got to, and I was like, oh my God. So I had just done like 12 hours of press for this, for this thing. And then, uh, so I, you know, have this conversation where I'm in this incredibly defensive position. I never read the article, but it, obviously I don't think it painted me in a good light. And ever since then, you know, he has a little, you know, fan base that likes to give me shit. But the thing is, the funny story about him is um, he's like an obsessed fan. I mean, he, the reason I even know who, who he was before, other than actually him getting like a check of mine or me getting a check of his at some point before, you know, he had success was that, um, he, uh, he, uh, his, his Facebook picture was a picture of me. And so my friend wrote and directed was like, who, you know, and this was in the early days of Facebook where it was just like confusing if you saw somebody with your face, not, not be, you know, there wasn't fan pages and there was it just, Facebook wasn't Facebook. It was just a, you know, it was like, you know, the early days. Sure, <clears throat> sure. So, um, and so my friend, let me explore what this is about. So it turns out he finds out it's like, oh, it's this guy, he's a writer, blah, blah, blah. It ends up being friends with him. And this goes on and on and on. Um, so we've been trying to get a sequel made for the, and as it turns out during this kind of big hiatus period where I wasn't trying, you know, where I had said, look, we tried to make, make it for five years. I'm taking a break. Do what you want with it. If it gets made, let me know. Um, Adam F. Goldberg signs on to be a, like a producer with what are you doing? This guy's been giving me shit and blah, blah, blah. blah. And uh, he's like, okay, all right. You know, and, and then and I do a big campaign. We rewrite the script together, blah, blah, blah. Um, and, you know, Adam F. Goldberg's calling John let me be the producer still like i'm gonna let me give you some money like this whole fucking crazy thing and uh and this is after we spent an entire episode of that show um basically you know subtweeting me by putting a character called adam gold another adam goldberg in the show um who's supposed to you know uh 
you know, be some baby who's giving him shit, uh, giving the other Adam Goldberg shit because they have the same name or something like that. He's some stand-in for me, which I still couldn't believe. Like, is this even legal? Right. Um, so he spends this entire year doing that. My 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 manager is calling, just saying, you, "Okay, you win, whatever. Just can you can you stop? Like this is just making things more confusing." Now people think that Adam went to school and with you, and it's just like you're just totally distorting this guy's you know biography. He's been working for thirty years, you know. Um, and uh, so then you know, Adam F. Goldberg is going on and on about. To, to my pal, like, let me apologize. Let me apologize to to uh, to, to Adam. I'll, I'll even put it in part of the show. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, the guy is like fucking obsessed. And then I've heard some other really gnarly shit about the guy. So all I can say is, yeah. he's got some issues. <clears throat> yeah. Wow. You know what's crazy is I wasn't fishing for a story or anything. I was just <laughs> yeah, like, well. I just realized that I told you most of that, that, that um, well, I, I, yeah, I had actually been wanting to clear the air for a long time, although I'm not entirely sure that did it. And I just threw my friend under the bus by doing that because I, I realized now it's been so long uh, since that conversation, they had that conversation, which was a couple of years ago. I, I believe he swore me to secrecy about it, but you know, sue me. <laughs> but it was a great anyway, story. And you know yeah, what? I, Fuck the Goldbergs. I, I mean, I never really cared for the show anyway. Here, here's the thing. Here's the thing. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's embarrassing that it's so triggering, but I'll tell you the reason why. And this is the thing I couldn't, couldn't seem to clarify to this person who was doing the article. The fact that he has his own name was never the, like, of course, the guy's entitled to his birth name. Right. That's his name. That's the name his parents gave. <laughs> I understand that. But when you kind of enter the industry, there are certain things you have to consider, right? Like, I kind of find it astounding that the director, Steve McQueen, didn't change his name, you know? Um, like, what? I mean, I get it, it's your name, but I also, like, I don't know, put an initial. I mean, I get that you're not a white actor who's dead, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, you, you see what I'm saying? So that was, like, initially a little bit irksome. But like, whatever, he's doing a completely different thing with his life. Although it had come up, I had had a meeting, a developed meeting at a big, at Disney, at a big studio. I had given them, it was a, I can't remember why I was having this meeting, but they were under the impression that I had written these other scripts, which I hadn't written. Um, the problem is, is that I'm an actual writer and write stuff too. So it's just, you know, but whatever, that's the guy's name. You put the, you know, the, the law, the, the, you know, the, the deal is, you know, in Screen Actors Guild, Writers Guild, the Directors Guild, and I'm in all three of those, uh, you gotta, you know, if someone comes along later, you gotta put an initial in or change your name or whatever. Okay, so you did that, that's like by the book or whatever. I guess what I found to be like a bridge too far in terms of like that show was just that, um, not that everyone knows who I am, but those who do know who I am are going, and the people are going to confuse us and it's happened in, you know, it's happened in, in, uh, in both directions, you know, people have, you know, think he's great in saving private Ryan and, you know, gained 35 pounds or whatever. Right. Um, but, uh, so it's just sort of like, if, if he hadn't, if that show wasn't about him having, um, if that show wasn't, um, if it wasn't notable for the fact that it was a autobiographical TV show, um, it wouldn't be an issue. Most showrunners, creators of shows, of course, they don't become celebrities 
themselves that they don't become known necessarily themselves, right? They're usually behind the scenes. But sure. when you say, okay, this is a show about a kid named Adam Goldberg who used to, you know, make all these little movies when he was a kid and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, I, and again, that's his life story. He's 100% entitled to it. Um, but I think like you have to accept that there's going to be a lot of fucking confusion um, if there's an actor who's been acting for, you know, at the time, 25 years or whatever, um, who has, you know, some notoriety, right? Right. And, um, you know, I, my the example I give, and it's not a perfect analogy, was that right before Days and Confused came out, I, um, uh, I was going to change my name because I anticipated there that I would be probably typecast for the rest of my career because of my last name. Now, there's certain things I can't change. The fact that I'm perceived as a Jewish neurotic guy, blah, 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 you know, whatever. So, but I could at least, you know, kind of soften that by, you know, changing my name to something more generic, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, I'd always been obsessed with, you know, James Dean's movies, well, a lot of different movies, but, but um, you know, so I'd always kind of gone by the pseudonym and, and uh, Jim Stark is the character in Rebel Without a Cause. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name, I'm gonna call myself Adam Stark. Um, and a friend of mine at the time said, no, there's, a, there's an actor named Adam Stork. And I was like, well, who is that? And you know, he was like, he was in Mystic Pizza or something like that. And you know, at the time I was only 21 years old. I'd only done uh, a couple of TV shows and Days hadn't come out yet. So I mean, you know, nobody had any idea who I was. And I was like, you know, well, you gotta be somewhat deferential to that because that guy's was there first. You don't wanna create some kind of con confusion or whatever. Sure. Um, and um, you know, whatever. To make a long story even longer, uh, by the time I decided to actually commit to changing my name anyway, they had already struck the print for Days and Confused and you right. know, the rest is history. But now looking back, I really wish I had changed my name because <laughs> um, in the interim, there was like, there's like a football player named Adam Goldberg. There's like, you know, uh, there's a singer songwriter uh, named Adam Goldberg. There's a, you know, showrunner named Adam Goldberg. Anyway. Right. Um, and that's our time today. I hope you enjoyed this, yeah. uh, <laughs> this diatribe. About, um... You know, honestly, it was very interesting, and I had no idea. Yeah. And uh, you know, but it's a low light. What can I tell you? I'll tell uh, you you're this. Get all the low lights. That's good. That's good. I'll tell you this. I uh, when I hear Adam Goldberg, I think of you, and oh. I definitely think of Dazed and Confused because, like, that was one of those movies. I'm 40 now, so uh, 41, yeah. but. Um, one of those movies oh, you were where the baby, then you were a baby, you were like, uh, old. yeah, uh, well, when they're kind of 94. Oh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking about when I shot it, uh, 93, 93, 94. So I was 12, 13, right, right, but right. you know, it was cool, it was a cool movie yeah, yeah. to watch at that right, age. Right. You were like, you were like Mitch's yeah. age, you were like, yes, exactly, age. exactly. I'm like, I want to kind of be like this kid, you know, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want to get beat with the, with the paddle, but right, you know, paddle, he's yeah. like, you know hitting on the girls and he's doing a good job right um right but you were a relatable character to me because i was kind of this like awkward yeah you know kind of all over the place kids in school and i was like i never really seen that you yeah. know on on shows and movies that i watched everyone was always like really cool you know well yeah and but or <laughs> you know i mean there was always like what i liked about you know rick and you know and that and that film and that script was was that I mean, you know, I didn't think of it in terms of like, oh, those are the jocks and those are the nerds and those are the, you know, and then you watch the movie and you're like, well, of course that's sort of, you know, loosely how all those characters are categorized, but also just how even within each group, there are these sort of like, <clears throat> you know, Rick had said, he goes, which, you know, which character uh, 
you know, everyone was sort of considered for anything, basically. And, 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 but I think that in the, you know, when it came down to it, I was either going to play, you know, Mike or Tony, um, you know, the other, you know, the Anthony Rapp character. And I, yeah. and, you know, he said, which would you prefer, which do you relate to, or which do you like or whatever? And, you know, and I said, well, Mike, you know, I go, that's the punch I always, you know, like wanted to throw. And, um, and that was pretty much it. Like my, the deal was sealed, but I, I think even before I kind of auditioned sort of just based on that kind of conversation, but, um, and, uh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just, it was, it was, I found it to be, you know, extremely relatable. And when, when I, when I, you know, when I read it, I, I, I gravitated right towards that, uh, <laughs> that character. Absolutely. Would you say that's something that like made you want to be an actor? Like, um, Oh, no, I wanted to be an actor since I was six years old, you know, so yeah. I, I, I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, I was, I was, I, you know, was in plays and blah, blah, blah. And I, I, you know, even I think at one point, you know, I did a, you know, some sort of a showcase thing when I was like 14 years old to try and like get an agent and, you know, I had an agent briefly in high school, but like didn't really work out. And then, you know, uh, yeah, no, I, I had wanted to be an actor and, and, and then a filmmaker, you know, since my teens, you know, in, in earnest. Um, so, um, yeah. Yeah. And when you read things about you online, like, you know, people categorize you as a character actor. Do you mm -hmm. find that, do you find that term offensive in any way yeah no no i mean i always say any time i i i mean i don't know if i'm using it as a as a as a sort of defensive weapon but oftentimes you know if people be like you know talking about i don't know like you know i get in these twitter arguments with i don't know this is a problem i have but you know indulging you know you know right-wing fucking you know fascists <laughs> i gotta follow your twitter it sounds like a good time <laughs> maga nazis yeah yeah it's, it's, there's, there's a lot of action um and uh you know oftentimes i'll just be like why are you you know like, you know they'll call you like a hollywood elite and then they'll call you a has-been and i'll be like which is it uh <laughs> you know <laughs> but but oftentimes i refer i'm like why are you wasting your time with a fucking gay you, you know like a character actor you know well you know I, I often refer to myself that way when i'm when I'm, when I'm trying to uh, defend myself against people who think that I am somehow like, you know, controlling the uh, like cabal or whatever. Right. Um, <laughs> but uh, <clears throat> no, I mean, that's, you know, that's, I mean, no, I mean, you know, look, yeah. an actor is an actor is an actor, uh, obviously. Um, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, it, it's, it's a shorthand for, I guess, you know, defining uh, somebody's, you know, uh, I don't know, career in some way, but, yeah. um, but yeah, you know, and there are, um, like, I guess other character actors. I mean, there are <clears throat> certainly great character actors that I've been fans of who, I, I guess when you, when one uses that term, I guess they're referencing the fact that they're not either stars or they don't play leads. And, you know, of course there, there are actors who've done, uh, you know, done both. And I've, you know, had leads in smaller films and, you know, and then, you know, supporting roles in bigger films. I mean, that's sort of how, you know, I kind of look at it, I guess. Yeah. But, you know, whatever. I'm a lifer. I'm a, you know, uh, you know, I'm a worker. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just, I personally don't like the term because I feel like it's like subcategorizing somebody when to me, they're more than that. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm not yeah, saying well, that. Again, an actor yeah. is an actor, is an actor, an actor, <laughs> right. is an actor, right. is an actor, you know, and then, you know, you have people who, <clears throat> yeah, who, uh, um, I mean, you know, I think <clears throat> even the term actor and actress is kind of ridiculous. And then, 
you know, I've often bemoaned the fact that there's even like a, I mean, it just seems like, you know, so insanely outdated that there's like a best, well, first of all, the Academy Awards themselves seem completely outdated to me, but, but yeah, the fact that there's a, like a best actor category and a best, best actress category to me is sort of hilarious. Um, I mean, it's not track and field. All right. <laughs> <laughs> like, um, I mean, first of all, just the fact that there's you know, like a competition, like an acting competition is kind of hilarious, but the fact that then you would like divide it into sexes is even kind of more ridiculous, but yes. Um, no, I yeah, I mean, the one good thing to come out of that Will Smith thing, I was always hoping it would finally put the nail in the coffin of the Academy Awards, but uh, I don't know. That's... Oh, I think it made it more popular. I think it's like... Yeah, you're right. You're right. People are going to... It's, <laughs> it's like, it was almost like watching NASCAR. Like, it's it's yeah, horrible right. to watch, but at any right. moment, something can just explode. Yeah, right. What's going to happen next year? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. right. So, uh, I don't know. Um, one more thing about these and confuse. I'm not going to yeah, focus yeah. on that too much, but when filming sure it, did you did you know what it was going to become because it became a pretty big deal yeah i mean yes and no because you know obviously you know you know you can only know so much and you can only have a sense of what something is going to be like um you know 30 years down the line or whatever um you know after having lived it but but no i mean it it you know first of all rick um First of all, I think when you do anything, you think it's going to be something. At least I did for a long time, um, mm -hmm. and then I sort of learned to sort of temper my expectations. So this was my first, you know, my first job in a movie was in Mr. Saturday Night, it's a Billy Crystal movie. So I thought that was yes. going to like, first of all, like you know, I thought this is it. This is the beginning of the. This is the beginning of the end for me. Well, the end of the, the end of the beginning for me. <laughs> I guess, right? This is you know, explosive new star. You know, new chapter over screen. You know, yeah. I think he cut me down to like one line. I think I say I'm bored in it. And actually, I think he cut that. I don't think I speak oh, in it. Um, I don't remember. But the point is, um, you know, I had I'd heard of Slacker. Uh, I'd seen some of Slacker, uh, and uh, I, you know, I, you know, felt like important. It was like the kind of interesting, you know, sort of uh, filmmaker that I had uh, like wanted to be myself. That I had um, that I that you know that I you know really respected. And so, um, and then, you know, when you read it, you're like, and then you sort of look at the pedigree. I mean, the pedigree was sort of there, I guess, because Jim Jacks and Sean Daniel uh, and Don Phillips were all involved and these guys were all involved in Fast Times or whatever. So it seemed like what they were trying to do was do some sort of, you know, 90s kind of Fast Times thing. Yeah. It didn't quite, that didn't quite jive with the script itself, which was very, you know, wordy and, um, and essentially nothing happens. Um, I mean, if you think nothing happens in the movie, I mean, nothing re really not, feels like nothing re happens in the script at all, but it feels, you know, really strong and character driven. So it didn't feel like it was going to be like some sort of smash and there was no American Pie or anything yet. Yeah. Um, but it didn't, it, you know, you knew you weren't doing Animal House and you knew you weren't doing Fast Times, but you felt like it, it was going to have a, a very special place in that sort of pantheon of ensemble, um, you know, kind of high school, college movies. And, um, and so, yeah, I always say that, like, we felt like we were doing something like that felt kind of important in a way, but again, you know, you're also dealing with the egos of a bunch of 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids who, you know, think everything they're doing is like, you know, you know, you know, incredibly important. And, right. um, and we all had, you know, just gigantic egos and we huge aspirations. And so there was just a feeling of, you know, it's like, you know, whatever, heady, heady, heady times, right? And um, 
and I think we felt, you know, but, but the question was always like, how was the studio going to handle this? And it was like one of a couple of films that this, you know, subsidiary of Universal was releasing at the time, Gramercy Pictures. And, and you know, it, it slowly became increased. It became increasingly clear, um, you know, prior to the film coming out and problems Rick was having with music clearances and things like that. And then, and then in terms of just the distribution of the film, that it was not going to be um, the you know, it wasn't going to be hit in any kind of conventional term just because it was a sort of, you know, I mean, basically a botched release, you know, we, you know, while it was still out, me and like, you know, Roy Cochran and Nikki Cat would be like, yeah, we should go down to the grammar. So we should go to the office and be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? We'd always have these like fantasies of, you know, (laughs) Um, and uh, because it was kind of depressing watching how it was sort of fizzling out in that regard. And but with this understanding that it was clearly going to be this cult film, I mean, that just be, was seemed clear to me. Um, so it was sort of funny in, in, in a way to have that clarity at such a young age and at such a, well, at such a kind of, you know, embryonic stage of one's career to sort of know that, yeah, in a decade, people are still gonna be talking about this. And then in 20 years, people are still gonna be talking about it, you know? Um, yeah. and, um, and that's what it felt like. Um, so it felt like it, it, in that regard, it, it, it succeeded on its terms, you know? Absolutely. You know, that's, it's, uh, it's definitely stands the test of time. Yeah, uh, I yeah. just watched it the other day and I'm like, it just, it's just like watching it for the first time, really. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird for me because I can't ever appreciate it, you know, um, that way. I mean, when I've seen it, it really feels like, you know, like, um, like uh you know home movies or something like that you know it right. feels i mean it has that vibe anyway in a way but but you know it really just feels like oh that's well like that was my summer i mean of course that's how you feel you know when you see anything i guess that you were a participant in but particularly with that because it was just such a concentrated experience it was such a an intense i mean i was only there for three weeks the four or a month or something. I mean, I rehearsed for a week, I shot for three weeks, and then it shot for a week at the Emporium, at the uh, uh, Emporium after that. And so, um, you know, it was barely there in a way, but right. like, it's it just had this, incre- you know, just has this outsized role in my, um, you know, in my, in my experience, you know, sort of emotionally and, um, Funnily, I was even thinking about that today. I was thinking about how old I was. And I was thinking that um, before the movie came out, we, you know, so if, yeah, like I was saying, you know, a few of the guys and I, you know, became really close friends. And we spent a good part of the 90s, you know, like <laughs> just kind of doing everything together. And, um, you know, we all like lived in the same apartment building or a couple of different apartment buildings, you know, whatever. And all my old friends became friends with them. And, you know, we were just, um, it's really kind of tight group of guys or whatever and girls and um and so uh so it it, it there it was always this touchstone of like you know how many years you know how many months until the film comes out how many months since the film came out like how many years has it been you know and and, and much in the way that i thought of my one year of college essentially which right. was like how you know it was this milestone and i always think of that in terms of um, you know, as, as a, as a kind of chronological frame of reference in the, my biography, when I can, when I think about my life, you know? Sure. No, absolutely. That totally makes sense. And, you know, the movie aside, uh, Richard Linklater, 
definitely one of my favorite directors. Mm. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Slacker. And there's a movie called um, Suburbia, too. I'm sure you know it. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. Yeah. And, you know, take those all those things, put them together. And I kind of, you know, over the past week, been watching like, you know, a lot of movies you've been in and things like that. And I came across uh, this little movie called Scotch and Milk. Right. Well, <laughs> written and directed by you. Yeah, right. So Scotch and Milk, which is, I'm assuming the only way you came across it was because I uploaded a, a really low res video of it that was like ma made, you know, contemporaneous with the, you know, probably the release of the film. It's not even, you know, it was when <laughs> there was no such thing as HD. So my DP and I for years have been talking about trying to get a scan of the original print, which is still like a deluxe in Hollywood, you know, at the film lab, but, wow. um, you know, I was never able to release that film. So yeah, so Scotch and Milk was a film that I, you know, that I wrote and directed. Uh, I wrote it in the, um, uh, 1999. No, right. no, I wrote it in, 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 um, I was 24. So 1995 and, um, oh, okay. I'm thinking when it came out. <laughs> yeah well yeah well it kind of came out and yeah so what happened was i wrote it in 1995 uh and uh we shot it in 96 and um and then it did uh festivals and that sort of thing um uh i guess after saving private ryan i was still finishing it in fact spielberg's uh post-production supervisor helped me finish the film so i was actually editing it the summer before i went to do saving private ryan came back, finished it, and then it played festivals, I believe, throughout 98. Um, and uh, I used all the Saving Private Ryan press that I did at the time <laughs> to promote Scotch and Milk. Right. But um, so yeah, it was this black and white 35 millimeter film. Um, and, uh, you know, I actually ca cast Giovanni sort of based on Nikki Cat's experience, um, having just worked with him in, in uh, suburbia. And, uh, and so, yeah, Nick's in it, Rick Linklater's in it, um, briefly, um, Vonnie, Cole Hauser's in it. Um, and, uh, and then some really good friends of mine, Rio Hackford, who recently passed away, and uh, my friend Phil Monterano. It was all written, every, every role was written for somebody. In fact, the Giovanni role was written for Rory Cochran, but he wouldn't do it. So Giovanni ended up playing it. But um, yeah, it was sort of a, a um, um, you know, a very stylized black and white jazz laden film, you know, kind of about these guys who are sort of like living in this kind of, you know, sort of 50s world downtown, you know, where you don't know whether it's LA, you don't know whether it's New York, you don't know whether it's, you know, what year it is. Um, and, um, but, you know, kind of based on my experience, sort of kind of hanging out with these guys and, uh, and then, you know, in the aftermath of an actual relationship I had, and, she, and Cleo Lewis plays herself, essentially, a version of herself. Um, and I play a version of myself. So, you know, and I was like deeply, you know, deeply rooted in the films of like, uh, you know, Cassavetes and all that. And, you know, sort of all of us kind of, um, you know, you know, my, my dream was kind of to, to sort of form this, you know, kind of troop of you know, people with whom I would, you know, continue to make movies for years. And really in the end, I guess it was really Giovanni and I <laughs> who ended up making another movie together, I Love Your Work, but yeah. um, <clears throat> a few years later, but um, I mean, you know, that I directed, we'd work together in other ways, but yeah. so um, yeah. Um, but yeah, Rick, Rick, Rick really 
kind of informed that experience in many ways. And in fact, he screened it at the uh, Alamo Draft House in Austin. Um, and, you know, he's always a big supporter. And then he has a sort of a brief um, cameo in the film. Yeah. Now, like you said before, you uploaded it on, on YouTube. So, yeah. Oh, right. So I, I could never get it distributed because I had, well, it was a small black and white, you know, <laughs> our film, but, but, um, but, you know, we had, you know, it, it, you know, premiered at the LA film festival, it played in festivals <clears throat> all, all over the world. And we had interest in, um, you know, a lot of um, small distributors, but uh, no one could afford the music clearance, which, um, and music clearances in those days is, is a lot worse than it is now. Um, like you can make deals um, that you just, you couldn't, you couldn't, um, you just couldn't make back then. And, and so um, it was something like $250,000 or something like that. I had made the film for 50 grand and the rest wow. of it were in donations. Um, and yeah, we shot 35, black and white. I mean, you, you'll never be able to tell from that YouTube link, but I mean, it's, it's pretty stunning looking. I mean, it was written up an American cinematographer. I mean, it's, 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 it's a, it's, it's a beautiful looking movie. And, and, um, but yeah, it was just had so much jazz in it and it was so inextricably tied to the, to the film. There was no way for me to, you know, it was, it was, it was as much a love letter to, to, to the music that, that I, that I loved as it was to these guys and, and, and to the, to the sentiment of this relationship. So, there was just no way to to replace it and um and uh, i mean scenes were cut to all the music i mean you know um the 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 only music cleared and this was somewhat ironic because he's such a hero of mine um but jimmy scott who was a great jazz um singer who kind of fell into obscurity but david lynch really helped sort of resurrect his career i i he's on the soundtrack for the twin peaks firewalk with me uh film soundtrack but i don't he, I don't think he actually appears in the film. I think the scene was cut. But anyway, he helped sort of resurrect his career. And, um, and then in the, in the 90s, he ended up putting out a bunch of records. And I saw him play in the early 90s at this place, Catalina's Bar and Grill, where we shot the uh, scene from the film. And um, he's this angelic, incredible uh, singer. I mean, really, truly, um, uh, wrenchingly beautiful singer and soul, tiny guy with this angelic voice and uh you know we asked him you know i wrote him into the script and i was like oh you know like you know who what, what would be like the most you know you know what, what, uh, like transporting you know kind of musician i could you know living musician i could write into a scene that would you know really send this guy deep into his you know into this kind of you know moody flashback like, oh, jimmy scott you know i'll never do it or whatever and so but he did it you know i mean you know they we we took, you know, whatever we had uh, in our measly budget and, you know, he agreed to do it for, you know, uh, as a gig essentially. And we filmed him singing live. And then I had to cut it together myself and, and, and sort of figure out how to cut a 10 minute. <laughs> Cause I, I was so entranced by watching him sing while, while we were shooting him that I failed to realize that <laughs> the song was something like nine or 10 minutes long. So I had to figure out a way to, to elegantly uh, truncate that in the editing room. And anyway, um, he, uh, yeah, so, so that's, that's for that reason alone. I mean, he's in it. Hubert Selby Jr. is in it, who, uh, who wrote, you know, uh, Requiem for a Dream, you know, the author, um, The Room, um, uh, you know, wrote Last Exit to Brooklyn. So he plays one of the bar who's introduced to me by Bobby Pastorelli. Another friend of mine who passed away. Um, and so there was this this kind of like real, you know, I was and I was, 
you know, like our mutual friend, Christopher, I was deeply, you know, engrossed in, in you know, sort of, uh, you know, 50s and 60s, um, you know, hip, hip, uh, uh, iconoclasts, you know, so, um, yeah, the fact that, you know, so there's this whole, it's kind of an homage to that sort of film right. noir and, and sort of beat aesthetic, basically, and so, yeah. And that was a big deal. Anyway, um, so for those reasons alone, Jimmy Scott, Hubert Selby, it's just like you know, um, uh, it's 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 an interesting document. Yeah, I I really loved it. I thought it was really cool. Um, it reminded me of Swingers in a way, but like well, a really so cool Swingers. About that <laughs> is that um, so Swingers, you know, so my friend Rio, uh, who, I was, who I just mentioned, was uh in swingers and uh and they shot swingers at the bar where he worked at three clubs so that i had only known about swingers because as i was getting financing for my film the summer uh before we shot it so i guess a year before we shot it they were shooting swingers and so i saw that script in his car and i was reading this scene and i was like oh fuck you're kidding like it's like a film about like these hipsters now at the time, you know what that meant something different, right? <laughs> I was really referring to like kind of 50s hipsters. And so I was like, right. there's a there's a film about these hipsters and they're like kind of in the swam. It's a little different. It was, you know, it's a little more, you know, it's very, you know, swingers has got it's very strictly a comedy with a lot of you know levity or whatever. But um, but I I read this one, this dialogue, you know, this one scene where they're at the at the 101 cafe, and I'm like, ah. Oh, fuck, man, um, that's what a horrible coincidence. But, you know, anyway, I sort of plowed on through and, you know, I assumed like, you know, you can't stop making something because there might be something that's similar. And, and um, you know, and, and further irony is the three clubs is the bar where we spent our, the entire, the entirety of the nineties, essentially. And so, um, so when I went to go meet my director of photography for the first time, I was like, oh, let's go have a drink. Cause I used to live down the street from the three clubs. So I was like, let's go have a drink, three clubs, I'll meet you there, whatever, you know, Rio's bartending. And I go there and there's a big fucking sign on the door and it says, if, you know, when you enter, uh, you're going to be on film. So, you know, this is a waiver essentially. Right. They were shooting swingers. So I had to, so, <laughs> so you walk past one room where they're shooting and then you walk into, you know, a bunch of cameras and you walk or one camera room, and you walk into the other room and then I'm having my meeting with my, so it's kind of funny. I'm meeting my DP while they're shooting, uh, swingers and then you know we shot our film a year later or whatever and so yeah right. there were obvious comparisons and that was the you know that was the very commercial i guess iterate version of, of basically <laughs> our film and yeah and rio's in both of them which is which is funny well yours was cooler and uh you know even though it's not um you know it needs to get finished right yeah, uh, it's still kind of looked cool. Like, I think I thought it looked yeah. cool. It almost looked yeah. like it's funny you mentioned David Lynch before because it kind of looked like David Lynch made it in a way. In like well, some, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, yeah he was a huge, he's, he's, you know, he's a huge influence. There's a lot of, um, yeah. I'm really into multi-exposure stuff, and I do a lot of that with my photography or whatever. And so, um, you know, I remember I was still editing Scotch and Milk, um, and I went to go see Lost Highway. And I remember looking, taking particular note of his use of uh, like dissolves and uh, I know that that had a big influence although it was it was really modeled after um, you know 50s and 60s film noir and like hipster cinema kind of thing and right. um, so uh, like uh, 
Um, you know, we shot all these scenes in the cab are all rear screen projection in a rain tower, which was one 24 hour day at Sony Studios. They let us, it was the first day of shooting. Sony donated the studio. We had a cab with a fucking broken windshield on it. I mean, a broken windshield wiper on it. I mean, the rain tower was broken. We literally shot for 24 hours, every rear screen scene in the movie, um, every scene of me in the cab. And um, I think only two people walked off. I mean, it was, a, I mean, looking back, of course, I mean, I was this 25 year old, you know, megalomaniac. I can't believe that I did that, but <laughs> people stuck around and they were, you know, for the most part and were into the thing that we were doing. I mean, everybody was young and everyone was really enthusiastic. And so, you know, obviously if you did that now you'd go to jail, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Um, yeah, like I said, very cool. Uh, and if anyone wants to check it out, you can yeah, check it on well, YouTube. one day, one day I'll have a, I'll, I'll, I'll have a proper site. And then one day, if I ever have just a fucking, you know, a, uh, you know, just $300,000 to, to, to <laughs> fuck you money, um, I'll <laughs> fuck you right into the uh, soundtrack and we can, you know, have a proper DVD release of it. That'd be awesome. I would love to actually see that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure you, you're, you get tired of talking about the same stuff too. I know you're really, you mentioned photography. Yeah. And I, I really dig your photography. Um, you. Yeah, really cool, really cool looking stuff. And yeah, it is reminiscent of things like like David Lynch and things like that. I, I grew up loving that stuff. Yeah. Uh, I would watch, you know, I saw Lost Highway in the movie theater and I was pretty yeah, young. Yeah, so did I. I almost got, and, got into a fight with a guy, right? Where as soon as it, it was, everyone was so tense. And some guy like, he, he like tripped over my foot or something weird and like got in my face and like was like you got a fucking problem like literally in the aisle like like an inch from my face I'm like what the fuck man um yeah. i think it put people on edge but yeah yeah i saw blue velvet in the theater man i mean wow. like, i was 14 i mean just yeah. like it was uh I, I mean that was it i mean it was just like what the fuck is this i mean yeah. you know yeah. looking back it's so funny because you watch it now and you're like well it's just blue velvet you right. know, but I just couldn't, I remember I had a full thing of popcorn when the movie started and I had a full thing of popcorn when the movie ended. I, 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 I like had my hands suspended, <laughs> like hovering over the popcorn. I couldn't eat. It was just like, uh, it, it just, you know, my friend and I had this, you know, friend Peter Aronson, you know, I would like, you know, take the bus to go see movies and, and, you know, walk around whatever, I guess Westwood or something and talk about them. And uh, it just was like, yeah, that was it. That just blew open a whole world. You know? Yeah, you know, and you rarely see those kind of things in movie theaters today. You, you, it's, know, you can, you can really find them if you look for them, but for the most part, it's, you know, Marvel movies. <laughs> That's amazing. No, I know. Yeah. I mean, I know, I know. It's just like, I just, yeah, I know. I'm. It's such a different experience. Like, do they even make movies? I'm not sure what a movie... <laughs> I don't Yeah, I'm not even sure what constitutes a movie anymore. It's unclear. Yeah, yeah. Um, Every now and then, something like uh, I saw this movie called Everything Everywhere All at Once. Oh, yes. Uh, yeah, I haven't seen that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was that was a great experience. Like it was yeah. you, like you felt like you were watching a movie, you know, right. like mm -hmm. it, it, you were engaged in it the entire time. There wasn't. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another one yeah. was like Licorice Pizza, which was uh, Paul Thomas right. Anderson. Yeah, sure. Um, so there are things out there. They're sure, just yeah, not. No, it's, they're it's, just not yeah. huge, you know. Yeah. Well, also, it's just like the whole idea of, I mean, you know, I haven't been in a movie theater in two years because, you know, we're just like fucking maniacs about uh, COVID or whatever. But, yeah. you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, that experience is just, 
it just feels like it's just gone. I mean, my kids don't yeah. have any idea what that is. Right. Um, it's yeah. just so weird. And, and don't get me wrong, I love the blockbuster movies, but they it gets so tiring. It's like the same thing well, over again. It's, I mean, <laughs> just there are just too many. I mean, there's just yeah. you know, I mean, it's, you know, you saw this happening over the course of the last, you know, I don't know what, I guess, you know, ten years or something like that. And for a while, it sort of seemed like um, I, I remember my 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 agent sort of saying like, I was like, what happened to the like what you know like it would either be discussions about like trying to get like a you know, you'd have these discussions where, you know, you'd write something or whatever, and you'd be like, I want $10 million to make this movie or whatever. And they'd be like, oh, no, 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 that doesn't exist. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> like, I don't even it doesn't exist. So like, you can make a movie for like a million bucks, and you can make a movie for like a hundred million bucks. Right. But you can't make a movie for 10 million bucks. Um, <laughs> and that's like, that's the problem, <laughs> you know? It's so true. There, there's no more like gray area with anything. No. You know, no. everything is... Uh, yeah. And it's all TV. I mean, it's obviously, you know, and they're, and they're, and look, I mean, my wife and I, uh, thank God for, for, you know, high quality streaming television shows. I mean, that like has probably contributed to keeping us quasi sane over the course of the last two years, but, um, absolutely. but it is weird that, that, that has, you know, pretty much at least in our world, a hundred percent usurped the movie going experience, you know? Yeah. Even the fact that like movies that are coming out in the movie theaters are, on the streaming services at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I remember when Day and Day was like an insult. Like you did Day, and, it was like ah oh, fuck. I, I'm in a, uh, a movie. I did is like a Day and Day. To... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> every movie. Um, right. Yeah. Um, how long have you known Chris? Well, Chris and I are like are like social media um, boyfriends. I mean, yeah. like uh, you know, I uh, yeah, we haven't met in person. Me neither. Um, in fact, he, he, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go shoot his, his record cover when I get home to LA. And then he, he said, he claimed, I believe, I mean, I claims I hundred percent believe him, but it's just weird because, you know, I, I didn't know this, but he said like, I don't know, a long time ago, a decade ago, I can't remember which album it was, but he, um, I guess he asked me to shoot some photos then for him, but I didn't see it because he, I was like, what'd you do? DM me. Like sometimes you see those, sometimes you don't. Um, and, um, but I did see this one, um, about a year ago. And, um, and so then we began talking, he's one funny motherfucker. I mean, he's, he's a talented musician, obviously, yeah. yeah. but he, uh, he really needs to take that shit to the store. That's been our, that's been our little running gag lately. It's like, what a set's going to be at the store, uh, yeah. <laughs> or here the seller. Uh, he is, he's one of the funniest people I've ever, mm-hmm. ever not met in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I was like, you know, I know. I say that I keep saying it to my wife, but I'm just like, I'm like, she's like, what are you fucking laughing at? Like, yeah. what's wrong with you? Like, yeah. you know, have dinner with me, sit, face me. Yeah. Uh, right. Like, it's too funny. What are you? Um, yeah. Um, yeah. He's good. So, um, yeah. So, how did you guys? Did you? A few you- years ago, we just, you know, I'm, I've been a fan of his music yeah. for yeah. years and years and years. And, um, shit man it was it was kind of crazy i just we were we were talking like through instagram messenger right that's right now that's not yeah he gave me his phone number at one point he's like call me if you ever need to talk one time and we just started talking and i think we were both going through something yeah and we both like met on that level right and we've been like really close friends ever since we talk all the time right um and he's just he's such a big character he's so like he's so full of like 
I don't even know how to explain it. He's just, he's awesome. And he, he started this. We, um, he started getting me like people to get on the show. Right, uh, right. I've never done anything like this before. I've been doing this for a couple of years, but before right, this, right, right. I did like a little, this one, this little magazine one time. I like to interview people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I was always nervous to do things like in person or even like yeah, this. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of broke through that wall and he helped me do it and um, started getting all these awesome people. And now, right, right, right. You know, it's just like, I'll never stop doing it. Even if it, even if I never get a dime from it, I just enjoy doing it so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. That um, I just, I want to keep it going forever. I think this is a really cool thing. And he, he really digs it. He's been on it a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. Um, but we've never met. And I'm like, you got to come because we, we talk about Domino's Pizza all the time. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> I'm like, Domino's Pizza, it's good, but it sucks. Like, you got to come to New York and if get that's pizza. his that's his like frame of reference for good pizza is Domino's. Well, in California. Yeah. But he used to live out here. Right. Right. He used to live out here, but he misses it. You know, I'm like, next time yeah. you're in New York or in this area, you got to come yeah. hang out. We'll, I'll go. I'll give you the best pizza you ever had. <laughs> no, I gotta tell you, we've been getting this pizza up here. I don't want to get in trouble, but um, I'm able to keep my mouth shut. I already feel like this town hates me. I'll tell you a story. Uh, I think all the EMT people, all the EMT guys in this, in this, uh, can kill me. But we're terrified of like our house like burning down because they're just not gonna come save me. Holy shit! Uh, or save the house. <clears throat> There's a. Do I go? All right, so, all right, so I, I got this TV show during the pandemic, <clears throat> and like we're like ah, it was November of well, that's when I came out here, but over the summer of 2020, you know, it just seemed you know the world had stopped, there wasn't any you know, whatever. So, but they're doing the show, they're gonna do it in November. I'm like ah, I doubt they'll shoot it. I mean, like it just didn't seem like anything was really happening. Like come shoot the, you know, like I got off for the show, the equalizer, but like I said, you know, it, it just we're shooting in New York right before the pandemic and then had to shut down. We we're about to shoot. Let me back up. So <laughs> on March 11th, 2020, I got an offer to do this show, the equalizer. And they were like, it's shooting in New York. And I was like, haha, that's funny. Uh, no, thanks. <laughs> and, um, and that was that, right? Because right. two days later they shut down and, and that was history. So a few months later, like, okay, we're going to do it again. Uh, we're going to start in November. You know, the offer still stands. And by this point, we had been in our house for fucking eight months or seven months or whatever. It was the summer before. So, you know, four or five months by that point. And um, I'm like, okay, screw it. Um, they were shoot. they moved this, 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 the stage to New Jersey. And, and so I had strangely written a TV show for Quibi, you know, the very short-lived, very bad idea <laughs> where, you know, you, you remember, you, you remember what Quibi was? Uh, it's Jeffrey brain Katzenberg's brainchild. It was this phone app where you could watch like 15 minute TV shows. Oh yes. Yes. I had it. I actually subscribed to it. <laughs> yeah, but, and, and they had tons of money. Right. And I had gone and I had basically pitched something to them, right. I had a meeting with them. They had huge offices. This is before they ever launched. Huge offices. Like, I'm like, what? Are they? they had tons of content. Not a pilot thing, like tons of shit, right? Yeah. Huge directors. So I went in there and I pitched this thing and we fucking sold it. 
And by the time, and then, and, and then um, uh, the, the pandemic came, but my writing partner, Eric and I just spent essentially a good part of the pandemic writing this series. And we basically wrote the first, I don't know, six or something like that. You know, they're like each 15 minutes long or whatever, um, or six minutes. Yeah, it was very, everything was very short on there. Yeah, it was like six yeah. minutes, yeah. whatever yeah. it was. And I'm like, hey, this is, just seems crazy because like people have all this content on their phone. Who the fuck is gonna? And of course it failed miserably. And, and right. but, you know, we got our, we got our, we, we got it in right before they went under. So like we got paid, <laughs> but we, you know, it obviously never got made. But what I wrote it about was about this family that moves to um, because my wife, who grew up in where we are, um, she has these friends called the Chapins, and they are incredible musicians. They call the Chapin sisters. Their dad is Tom Chapin, who's an amazing musician, and their uncle was Harry Chapin. Okay. And, um, and they, for years, have had a store in Piermont. Uh, family store called Abigail Rose and Lily too, which eventually moved. To and, um, and the Chapins are kind of like, they're, they're like, uh, you know, sort of like, you know, Hudson River staples, like everybody knows, you know, they've lived there for a million years, whatever. Yeah. And, um, and so I, um, one time we were visiting and we went to Lily Chapin's house and they had like a little farm next door. Uh, it wasn't there, but there was a farm next door and we went and got eggs and blah, blah, blah. I just like had this, like, it really like, you know, it started to stimulate this idea in, in me. I was like, you know, is this the, you know, whatever, like the Paul McCartney song, you know, uh, you know, on, on Ram, you know, looking for a home in the heart of the country. Like so suddenly, suddenly that all resonated with me, you know? Yeah. Um, and, um, and it was just like a seed of an idea, but you know, instead of actually doing it, I like kind of wrote about a couple that goes and, and, and does this and it sort of all backfires and it turns into a nightmare and they become like you know they become these sort of instagram influencers but it just all just completely backfires and and um um and and you know the, it was sort of about this idea of like you know when you you know what if what you see when you see these kind of like you know beautiful influencer families behind the scenes their fucking life is falling apart right and what if it's the, the social media aspect of it which is actually contributing to their um, you know, their demise. And so, so I wrote, I write all this and, you know, it's based on some experience I've had with social media and, 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 and I had been very, very, um, you know, I've been very kind of, um, I've always been very self-documenting and, you know, and so been very, uh, sort of forthcoming in my social media and in Instagram and, and documented my family a great deal. And in fact, throughout the pandemic, it became, you know, for I think um, 165 days or 365 days straight, you know, did every day of the, you know, our, of the pandemic and our life in the pandemic, whatever. And we're sort of creating some kind of, you know, document about our experience in it. Anyway, but contemporaneously or, you know, concurrently, I'm writing this show about a couple who's sort of doing that. And it ends up being somewhat prophetic because this show comes along. They say they're shooting in New Jersey. I'm like, fuck it, let's like live the show and let's like move there. And then, and then, uh, and, and it's 15 minutes from your parents and it's 30 minutes from the set. And little did I know a year later, they would move the set to Greenpoint and my commute would now be an hour and a half. And it's a complete fucking nightmare. Um, God. And I, it's, I, yeah, it's a, that's a whole other story. But, but as it turns out, when we moved to this quaint little small town, um, 
uh, and this is where my show begins to be pretty prophetic. Uh, I we moved next door to a uh, to you know, and these old towns of fire departments use um, these uh, like air raid sirens from like the fifties or whatever, right? To alert the volunteer firemen that um, that there's a anytime anybody calls nine one one, anytime they're alerted, instead of like pagers going, I'm sure they have some sort of internal system as well. But this thing starts blasting. Um, and we didn't know about that, right? And mm. we moved literally next door to where it is. And so it scared the living shit out of us, out of my kids. And and it's would wake us up at four in the morning, wake us up at five in the morning. We'd be outside in our, you wow. know, in, in, in the yard, and you know, my kids would start crying, and you know, you know, one was two at the time, yeah, you know, jumping into my arms. So whatever. So we go home after that. So, so, so we leave that place. We go home, we come back, we run another place a little further away from there. So it's no longer an issue, whatever. Um, but we go back to the area where we go back to, there's a little beach there. And so my kids wanted to go to the beach there um, on this latest stint. And um, so we go there and the thing goes off and we're right underneath it. And again, you know, it had been a few months. My son, Sonny, like jumps into my arm. He's like crying. I'm like holding him, whatever. And I post an Instagram post where I'm flicking off the air raid siren and it says, get a pager, right? right. Well, this goes, <laughs> see, the, see the joke, and this is true. The joke about like my social media is the only time anything I've ever done has gone viral. It's gone viral because of Breitbart. And I'm not kidding you. So in other words, like none of my like funny comedy tweets or none of my, you know, none of my like sort of deeply artistic you know sort of like you know cinema verite instagram stories right right I mean, um what goes viral is i'll say something about trump breitbart i'll put it in uh, uh, i don't know what their thing is with me i mean that's actually where i've been like why are you why do you give a shit what a fucking uh, life or character actor has to say but for right. whatever reason they decide i've decided it was anti-semitism um but um, they would constantly feature my tweets. I would get bombarded by these fucking MAGA trolls. And until Twitter was cleaned up, which I guess it's now being uncleaned up. Um, I mean, crazy shit. I mean, Holocaust imagery, fucking, um, you know, you're a kike, you know, all kinds, just crazy. You know, like I have a whole folder in my phone, you know, an album uh, called Nazis. And it's just screenshots um, since Trump uh really since the primaries, since Trump was in the primaries, I have, I've, I've collected um, basically like the Holocaust era, like caricatures of Jews that people have sent me um, since Trump came into political prominence. But, um, and Breitbart has done an excellent job amplifying that. But so, so the only other time I, I really have gone viral was with the EMT community here. That goes on um, like the fire chief's Facebook and I somehow find it because I'm getting all these weird DMs, one of them from a fucking cop saying you scumbag. Um, oh. And just to clarify matters, I'm not saying fuck you to the fire department, right? right. I'm saying fuck you to the technology right. that they're using right. from 1952. The argument is that in case it's a volunteer fire department, in case they walk outside and they don't see their, their phone doesn't ring or whatever. Okay, well, I'm not gonna get into it. But, um, and this Facebook guy's Facebook page, it's everybody from the entire fucking area, the whole county, right? Everybody who's like a ambulance driver, or a fucking fire, fire, you know, people who work at the fire department, 
people who work in the ER. I mean, I'm terrified something's going to happen to us. And they're going to be like, ah, you're the guy who flipped off the fire department. I mean, just people just like fucking just lambasting me, just fully dragging me. I mean, the page was finally removed because it was just so nasty. They get like, it was obviously reported and then somebody like Facebook took it down. Right. But, uh, so had I uh, had that experience before I had written my, 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 uh, I definitely would have included that. And the weirdest part of it is the very last shot of the series of the season that we wrote was the store that they come to build is on fire and they let it burn. Wow. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. There's no, that's just. Wow. No, no, that's, that's crazy. Like you said, it's prophetic. Like, yeah. you know, you, you almost know what's going to happen because of the type of people, the type of people you're surrounded by, right. Yeah. At, at all aspects of life, like New York, when you think of New York, you know, you, a lot of people just think of New York city, but there's so many different parts of this state that like I know. here, here on Long Island, everyone's an asshole (laughs) everybody's an asshole nobody they they will kill you to get in front of you two feet in a car Uh and they'll just keep going it's weird because (laughs) i was i would always defend new york you know right yeah and 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 say like what are you talking about like people are fucking great people interact in new york people talk to each other you go to the bodega you have conversations you talk to the guy you know owns the bodega you're friends with that guy like, I don't know what, pe- I, like, I was like, what, what are people even talking about? And then, I mean, first of all, you get older and yeah, it's true. You start to realize that, um, you know, you just like want to fucking, you know, get something done and, you know, you don't want to deal with yeah. hundreds of thousands of people all the time. And, you know, that, that obviously causes tension whatever, but, um, but yeah, New York state is not New York city. <laughs> No, um, definitely not. No, there was, uh, I'll just keep going. So across the street <laughs> from where we lived, when we woke up the next morning, the night after we arrived, there was a Trump, there was three flags, an American flag, the, uh, what do you call the don't tread on me flag? Um, uh, the one with the snake on it? Yeah, uh, yeah I, don't know what it's, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, there, there's, a, there's a name for it. But you know, that's since been, I mean, that's, that's, that's not what it used to be that flag. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's definitely got, it's some racial undertones, but um, yeah. And the third flag was Trump, you know, that, you know, the, the, the muscular homoerotic Trump that they all fantasize for some reason that he is instead of a, <clears throat> you know, a deeply unhealthy uh, piece of shit. But anyway, so, it's, <laughs> it, it, you know, it's, it's fucking, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, Thor, Trump standing right, right. on a standing on a tank, and this is on a flag. So American flag, don't tread on me. Uh, Trump, Thor, Trump on a tank. Yeah. And we wake up. We wake up the next morning. We like open our windows and we see that across the street. And I'm like, and this, and, and you know, when we moved in on November fifth, so election day was on November sixth. Wow. So it was just like, like already stressful. Um, yes. and he had that flag waving through the insurrection. I think finally about a month later, he took it down. Um, but 
I was just like, what did we fucking do? Oh my God, what did we do? Um, yeah, yeah. But, you know, like on the other hand, I mean, it's just so weird too, because those guys, like the guys in that neighborhood, like, you know, until they, you know, decided that I was this, you know, asshole outsider who came in and caused trouble, uh, you know, they were all really nice. I mean, you know, like, not, you know, they weren't dicks. Right. It's just, I don't know. It's just, it's a mentality. It's a mentality, you know? (laughs) It's also just so, yeah, right. It's also just so weird. It's like when it's like, oh, isn't that interesting? It's like, oh, a a black guy ends up being elected president. And then, like, so, and then the next thing you know, there's a Hitler mustache on him. Like, what? I mean, what? You know, when when Bush was president, when, 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 when George W. Bush was president, like, yeah, I protested uh, against the, you know, Iraq war or whatever when the RNC came to town. I happened to be living in New York at the time, you know, part of that huge, uh, you know, these huge demonstrations. But they were just like demonstrations. Do you know what I mean? It was like you're walking down the street and you're pissed off and you're whatever. But it's not fucking Hitler mustaches, you know, on a black <laughs> yeah. guy. I mean, come on. It's just like, it's, it's just. Yeah, it, it seems. It seems like whenever someone doesn't understand something, that yeah. thing is Hitler. Oh, well, of course. Well, I mean, you know, Elon, Elon Musk. He's just like, oh, yeah, right. Uh, Trudeau, yeah, it's just like the Holocaust. Um, I mean, it's, it's just it's unbelievable. It really is. It really yeah. is. Oh, and- you have to, a vaccine card is like a yellow star. No, it's not. You know what's like a yellow star? A yellow fucking star. You fucking yeah. moron. Yeah. Um, that's Very the true. only thing like a yellow star is a yellow right. star. The only thing like the Holocaust, I mean, there was that, well, our other genocides, let's put it that way. Right. I was going to say is the Holocaust, but our other genocides. Yes. The, geno- the only thing like a genocide is a genocide. <laughs> it's a hundred percent true. It really is. And you know, that's why I, I don't hide out. I live my life, but yeah. you know, I'm in a garage right now doing something i love to do and when i'm not in the garage i mean i i I cut hair i do all kinds of odd jobs just to just to survive this weird life thing um but i love to do art and um i don't know if you ever met i know you you've met fences online but i don't know if you ever met little fences do you ever meet little fences who's little fences okay he's probably so fucking sick of this and he's like whatever but yeah i made little fences here he is (laughs) (laughs) that's amazing i love it so yeah this is um this is actually liam neeson from star wars really yeah he looks like liam neeson as a doll like 100 percent right in real life no but in doll world 100 percent you know and then i just i put everything else together and uh, i love it there he is and yeah that's great I made a little music video with him. <laughs> it, it never got released, though. I think it was too, you know, a little too hokey, a little too hokey for him. Um, but once again, I love to do art, and I made this for you actually. Um, I do like tile art. I, I, tile art. Tile art, like like bathroom tiles. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh so, uh, come on, that's great. <laughs> I'm not I sure if it, it looks like you 100. percent Oh wow, that no, that that is my yeah. essence. It, it's your essence, exactly. I, essence. I got like a. Is a Nick Cage vibe in there or something? But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, right, yeah. It's Nick Cage when he dyes his hair dark. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, so, I, love, oh uh, yeah. I like that. 
I like to, I like to make these things and oh, nice. people can either like I tape off the sides so you can caulk them into like an already existing. Oh, no way. Yeah. yeah. That's or, great. or it's a cool coaster. Or oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Nice. <laughs> yeah. My, we're, yeah, we're, you know, we're a very uh, creative family over here. You know, my wife's yeah. an artist. She's a graphic designer. And yeah, I always, do that too. We're always like, everyone's always making something around here. It's great. Yeah. That's, that's, the, way, that's the way to be. That's Especially right. now it's come in extremely <laughs> Handy. all my wife all my wife's like you know my wife went to waldorf school i don't know if you know waldorf school she, yeah there's one yeah and so you know and i well with joke she's dyed in the wool waldorf because you know they're like way in the wool like she can like fucking knit you dinner you know whatever um <laughs> and um and so but all her like all besides her just you know being like an actual artist and designer but the fact that she's just in so insanely crafty uh, came in incredibly handy when, when the pandemic happened and we had these two fucking little kids, um, you know, stuck in our house. Yeah. Um, it was like, perfect. Had it just been me, we would have been in trouble. It would have been like, what do you mean you don't like playing baseball? What do you mean you don't want to play baseball for an, another an hour and a half? Um, that's not entirely true because actually Bud and I made all these little movies and now Bud's like can fully make, he's seven, he can make, you know, makes these films, he edits them, you know, he's, you know, I mean, there's some kind of weird sort of ancillary benefits to this if you want to look on the bright side of having spent the last couple of years and, you know, I mean, now he's obviously going to school and stuff like that. So that's, right. it's different, but um, right. But he honed a lot of interesting skills. And... Yeah, it's been a it's been an interesting couple of years. Um, the coolest thing, I mean, the silver lining that he could find out of any of it is, is that is like you had that time that you would ne normally not have. Yeah, yeah. And to be able to create things or or yeah. you know, no, that's true. I, I yeah, have, in ways I've been pretty productive. So I guess yeah, exactly. Same here. Um, Chris wanted me to ask you something, so yeah. I, gotta, I just got to find it. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's gonna be oh here we go what, be what is it gonna be uh he want he wanted to know well he wanted me to ask you about your disdain for men's stretch denim ads on instagram <laughs> uh, yeah well right so i must get you know you get targeted obviously right and so i'm all in the denim yeah. and everything and um and so they must be you know so they're like oh denim so let's let's fucking show adam a stretch denim ad so so they're so i keep getting ads for like um denim is over you know or like you know, <laughs> yeah. these really cheesy ads for like comfortable jeans and uh yeah so <laughs> um yeah i mean I, yeah it's it's like redundant asking me what my about my disdain for them i mean you know right it's it, inherent in the word stretch denim is 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 my disdain <laughs> um yeah but uh yeah so but that's funny yeah and no, i'll get that and just like um and then a lot of like a lot of mental health <laughs> products, you know like uh funny i get know, that all the time too yeah, a lot of meditation apps and <laughs> yeah, things like that. And and for a while, just ton, shit tons of bra. I'm telling you, you click on one bra ad, man, forget about it. Oh, forget it. hundred <laughs> uh, percent. My 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 Facebook and all that stuff is yeah, yeah it's all a reflection of me, I guess, and what yeah, I'm interested in, what I look disturbing. up. It really is to the point where, like, sometimes it's very specific, like. Yeah. My wife, we, she was talking about going to this hotel up, actually upstate New York. 
Yeah. And um, two hours later, that hotel was on my feed. I'm like, all right, <laughs> you're going to make it that obvious you're listening, yeah, yeah, you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. I know. That's it's a bit funny. much. It's a bit much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very disturbing. Um, so, yeah, this actually, this uh, little painting here, uh, my inspiration for that was this photo I found of you online. And that I'm gonna familiar. That, 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 I, I'm that. I'm gonna pull it up. Yeah, I can share my screen. Yeah. And then uh, I know you probably gotta get going. We we've been on here a long time, but it's been wonderful. Oh no no I'm in, oh oh yeah oh right yeah okay yeah. I, knew, I knew that I knew that I knew that shirt and jacket looked familiar. Yeah, and now Independent Spirit Awards. Okay, that that's what it was. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. What what really interests me about this, and this is something I've always wanted to ask somebody. Yeah. Uh, of sub celebrity stature, I guess you can say. You know, uh -huh. it's got the watermarks on it. Deposit photos. It's like um, it's like a stock photo website where you can buy yeah, photos, yeah, like, like get right. images or whatever. Right. Yeah. How does this work? Like, do you? <laughs> oh no! It's someone's selling a picture of your face. Essentially. No, no, no. Photog it's, it's whoever the photographer was. Okay. Okay. Um, I found yeah, I find it a little it strange. Never occurred to me. <laughs> now that never even occurred to me. Um. No, I mean, and I actually learned that more as, as a photographer. It's like if I take a picture of uh, somebody, uh, that's my picture. It's not right. their picture. Weird, right? I mean, you know, where yeah. does you know, ownership of an image begin, I guess, and end. But um, yeah, no, every once in a while, I'll see something like a, you know, uh, you know, people will ask for autographs, but not really, you know, so they can have them. They'll just like, like, um, like you'll like if there's like an event or something or sometimes just out front of some random place there'll just be people waiting but the, uh, the with like cards and you're just like fucking signing a bunch of cards and i didn't even really understand like why, why am i signing all these cards but like you know they'll just right. sell them for like you know ten dollars ten dollars a card or right you know, whatever it's kind of weird but uh you know whatever it is weird and what what there's so there's so many things out there with like copyright infringement you know, yeah. like I'm very careful with what I do on all my my stuff online, but yeah. it's like a four second clip of a song plays. My whole yeah. channel's gone, you know? No, it's ridiculous. But it's you can take ridiculous. a picture of an actual human being. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and even though it's, yeah, essentially you're the photographer, so it's your art. Yeah. But you're taking a picture of somebody else and yeah, selling I it. I feel yeah. like that's the biggest copyright infringement of all time. Yeah, it's weird too. It's also it's like, I mean, I guess the idea being that it's sort of mutually beneficial or whatever. I mean, why why do actors agree to have their picture taken? I mean, because that's a red carpet experience. Now, if it was right. a if it was a yeah, you know, a paparazzi photo, I don't know. I mean, honestly, you know, it's 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 not something I've you know really thought much about. But right. but yeah, it's true. I guess like you know, if you're like a big star or whatever, and like you're selling magazines with your face just by walking outside, yeah, that's, that's, that's totally, you know, that's interesting, I guess, but. Um, yeah, because they're buying you know, it because of you. They're not, they're yeah, not buying right, it because yeah. of them, you know, you know? so um, interesting. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Adam, man, this was a great, this was great. Yeah, man, it was a really, pleasure. Really enjoyed yeah. having you on here. And um, thank you. You're a really interesting guy. And you have a lot of really cool things to say. And I love your movies. I love your art. I love everything Thanks, about man. you. Thank you. Well, and, I appreciate um, it. It's been a pleasure. I, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anytime. We'll do it again. Oh, I would love to. And there's one question I ask everybody. It's kind of corny, yeah. but at this point, like, I have to do it. Yeah. I <laughs> On a scale from one to hell fucking yeah. How much did you enjoy being here today? <laughs> uh, I would say like hell yeah. <laughs> that like, a, <laughs> like a nine? Or that's nine a nine, and a half? yeah. <laughs> but that's only because I'm a little hungry. Yeah, I'm hungry too.
(laughs) (laughs) Normally, you know, I'm like doing this in the afternoon and people are already, you know, a lot of people are in California. So yeah, yeah. Well, it's I mean, I had a there. smoothie. I had a smoothie before, <laughs> but you know, you know what I found? I found um, I, I I noticed this when I was interviewed. Um, you know, so I I didn't really do any interviews, really serious interviews, until Saving Private Ryan. So I remember doing one, and at that period, it was like you know, it was like kind of real press stuff. Like you know, there were magazines and newspapers and things existed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and like they'd come to your house and shit like that. And so I remember somebody coming over to my house and, you know, they set the tape recorder up or whatever. And I remember like, and I've always had, actually I started developing bad vertigo during uh, Saving Private Ryan, as it turns out. And to this day, I have pretty shitty vertigo. Wow. Um, I've always had migraines, lots of maladies, stomach problems or whatever, but vertigo specifically, no joke, began during shooting the D-Day sequence it's kind of annoying given how little we're actually featured in that actual sequence, but you right. <laughs> um, <laughs> can't get vertigo anyway. Um, and so I remember talking and talking and talking and talking, and I started to get like really like kind of like it had only been, I mean, it was a while, it was like two hours, but like I was like starting to get really dizzy and dehydrated and hungry. And I realized that, and uh, that uh, yeah, anytime I, uh, I don't know if it, what it is, if it's like uh nerves or if it's because uh, because it's not necessarily in just a normal you know kind of conversation yes i will get you know i i will get low blood sugar i'll get headaches I'll get dizzy, and, and in a lot of different contexts but there's something about talking about uh myself where i almost invariably start to get um like dehydrated hungry and 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 listless and hoarse when i normally wouldn't like if right. i were acting for instance for 12 hours Right. Uh, maybe I would start to feel that way at the end of 12 hours, but not after an hour or something. So I don't know yeah. what it is about that. That's funny. Cause I feel like that a lot too. And I always thought it was just my like anxiety and just, no, I think it is anxiety. Yeah. I, just think, yeah. I just think it's like, it, it's like, it's, 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 it's just sort of brimming beneath the surface so you can function, but, but, but your, your heart rate is probably, it, you know, is, is probably escalated in a way that you're kind of unconscious of. Right. 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 Um, yeah, no, definitely. <laughs> anyway, that's why it's a hell yeah, not a hell fucking yeah. Okay. But next time, maybe I'll take an Ativan and have like a, like a, a, a bowl of pretzels and, uh, or like some almonds, some yeah. protein and, and, and a kombucha. Right. And maybe I'll be, I'll, it'll be hell fucking yeah. That's a good idea. Well, go eat something now. And, um, right. and then let's email about all the things we're going to censor. Yes. And, not uh, because I think anyone stalked me, but because I think these, these firemen will kill me. Yes. We don't want that. I don't want that. So no. I and, take- and not overtly kill me, but just sort of let me die in a fire. <laughs> yeah right exactly we don't want that either so um that's it man this was great all right man really enjoyed it hey mike a pleasure Uh, pleasure here thank you so much all right talk soon bye-bye okay man you too but yeah no i was gonna say something about um picture me you i lost my train of thought uh keep all of this in them keep it all in okay okay <laughs> <No. I will. laughs> draw it out actually yeah slow it down <laughs>